0: Bringing good news to a broken world. How many of you know that our society, our world is broken at the moment? I mean, just looking at the news, just reading the news on the everyday, there's so much brokenness, isn't there? That mother who went missing for three days on a run with her three-year-old son because she didn't want her son to go... And live with the father and the whole situation. Families are broken. Fathers not seeing their children, mothers running away with their children in order to not be detected. A broken situation. In America, a young child or three years old playing in his mum's purse pulls out a handgun and shoots himself. Broken world. We live and we read about Rolf Harris in a prison, a convicted paedophile, now being bold and arrogant while he's in prison, moaning about the women who put him in prison. Broken society. We look around our world today and we know that we live in a broken world. There's no two ways about it. And all of us here probably are affected, are affected by some way of this brokenness. Maybe someone in your family has gone through a divorce. Maybe someone in your family has seen children or young people on drugs or alcohol. Maybe someone in your family have, have, you know, has been affected by, by an early death in the family. We've all been affected. We live in a broken world and a broken society. I ended my message, those of you who were here last week with the words, Maranatha, our Lord is coming soon. That's what that word means. Maranatha, our Lord is coming soon. And Jesus looks out in chapter 10, he looks out to the nations. He looks out to his society and he sees brokenness. He sees men and women's lines, not in order, not being fruitful, not being blessed. He sees their lives in, in a complete and total mess. And he knows that what they need is restoration. They need help. They need someone to come and give meaning And purpose to their lives. And he looks out and he says, the harvest is plentiful. There's loads of people out there. But the laborers are few. And so Jesus wants to send Christian men and women. You, if you're a believer today, if you're a Christian this morning, and myself, he wants to send us out into the society. He wants to send us out in order to be alongside our friends and our family members and and those in our work colleagues, not to Bible bash them but to be someone who will encourage and strengthen and help them on the journey. He wants to send them out with a message. But as he sends out these 72 men in our Bible reading, as he sends these 72 men out, he gives them three basic warnings. There's more, but I've only got time for three this morning. He gives them three basic warnings, three things about the mission in which they're sending them out. He wants them to, you know, to realize what he is sending them out to. And these three basic things about mission... Um, It's true for us as well. So the first thing he says to them is that it's a dangerous mission. It's a dangerous mission. Look what he says. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. You couldn't get two war opposing animals. Lambs are sweet, they're fluffy, they're cute, they eat sweet grass, they run around really sweet little creatures. Wolves, on the other hand, are working packs and they they are dark and mean, sharp, piercing eyes and teeth. And when they hunt you down, they rip their prey apart. Two complete different animals. I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. I remember I watched a film a few years ago uh, with Liam Nielsen in it, and the film was called The Grey. It's a great film, actually. You haven't seen it. It's a great film. It's called The Grey. And it was about um, a, an aeroplane crash in Alaska where um, six or eight oil miners were stranded. And these oil Miners had to make their way back to civilization. Sounds quite straightforward, but their problem was there were a pack of wolves chasing them. And these wolves killed every single one of those people on the plane. Sorry, I've messed up the ending for you. You probably didn't want to watch that film yourself, but there, I just ruined the ending right there. But um, Jesus turns around and he says, I'm sending you out. It's a dangerous mission. I'm sending you out as land among wolves." And it was so true because in the Bible, we have Christian men and women going out into the world. And as they go out into the world with their message, they were severely attacked. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews about Christians. Hebrews chapter 11 says this. Some Christians, some face jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. Some of these men and women who died like that, they saw the risen Christ. Some of these men and women who died like that had a real deep sense of the reality of the Lord himself. That's why they were willing to die. Because they knew were 100% that Jesus Christ is risen and is alive, and because they were so convinced about that, they went to the Colosseums, they went to the Lions, they went to the Gladiators, they were sawn into, they were stoned. Why? Because they were convinced of one thing. That Jesus Christ was alive. Such was their conviction. These men and women were martyrs. We forget what the meaning of martyr means. The original meaning of the word martyr simply means a witness. That's what it were. The Greek word for martyr simply means that they were a witness. And in their death, they were saying one thing. You might kill me with a sword. You might feed me to the lion. But one thing I'm saying to you this morning, and these these men and women will say, one thing I'm saying to you, I know that my Redeemer lives. That's what they were saying. I'm a witness to that. You know, we um, live, praise God, we live in a country, in the UK. Fortunately, no one kills us for our faith. Praise God for that. And we need to praise God for that now. Praise God that no one kills us because we are Christians. If you are a born-again Christian today, no one will kill you. Nevertheless, people will still be aggressive at times to you. And they are not being aggressive to you because they don't like you. they would be aggressive because they don't like the message. You've got to remember that. It's the message that they don't like. That's why they are aggressive. The Bible says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's people who dislike Christians. It's not the Christian that they dislike so much. They really don't like the message. Because the message is very, very narrow. The message says, you know, there's only one way to God. That's what the message says. There's only one way for forgiveness. It's very narrow. There's only one exit door. And people don't like that message. And people don't like that message. They hate those who carry that message. If I was, if I was to lock that doors at the front of the church... And the fire bell went off. There's only one exit. No point in you looking for another exit. That door's locked. That door leads nowhere. You know what? There's only one exit out of this place. And people don't like that. And so, they are aggressive towards people who carry that one message. I met two people recently. One guy became a Christian. He's a, 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 a physical instructor. He became a Christian a few um, months ago. And he met some of his friends who he used to um, smoke drugs with in a shed. They used to go into the shed and smoke drugs all day long. But a few years later, he became a Christian and he met up with the same friends. And he went up to them and and they were glad to see him. He was glad to see them. And they began to chat and speak about old times. Then he said, you know what, I'm a Christian now. As soon as he said that, the conversation went dead. And the two guys said, all right, guys, let's um, go home now. And they walked away from him. He was shocked. I listened to a testimony of a man yesterday. This man was an Irish guy from an Irish family. He got shipped over to the UK as a youngster, got caught up in all manner of crime and everything else, that's not important. He got shipped into the UK. He eventually became a born-again Christian. And after a while, he went back to his family in Ireland. And his family in Ireland was a thieving, stealing, law-breaking family. And he goes back to the family in Ireland and, and, and as he sits with them, he says, you know, you know I'm a Christian. They say, hold on, what good is that to us? They said, we're going on a thieving trip tonight. You coming or not? He said, I can't, I'm a Christian. With that, they chucked him out of the family. They want nothing to do with him. Some of you might see the film, God's Not Dead. In that, there's a storyline in that film of a young Asian girl who secretly in her family becomes a born-again Christian. When her father realises that she has become a born-again Christian, he takes her and throws her out of the house. You see, it's not the person that really is being attacked. It's the message that that person carries. The message And because of the message, there's aggression. And you know, when there's so many Christians in our world today, so many Christians who are being killed because of their faith, in Syria and in Libya and in Pakistan and in India, there's so many Christians who are being killed for their faith. They're being thrown off boats, they're being sliced in two, and it's terrible. What should we be like in the UK? Surely we should be saying, I am not going to remain silent by being a Christian because my brothers and sisters in the world around me are dying for their faith. They're being butchered and murdered for their faith. How can I be silent? How can I be quiet? How can I keep my Christianity to myself? Even though there's aggression out there, how can I keep the message to myself where so many believers, thousands, are being killed? one thing that's encouraging, look at what Jesus says, as encouragement, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Hear that encouragement? If you acknowledge me, if you stand up in your workplace, stand up in your family, stand up somewhere and say, you know what, you know, I'm not getting into a fight, I just want to let you know that I'm a Christian. Amen. Praise God. I just want to let you know I'm following Christ. And the Bible says, if you acknowledge me before others, I will also make sure that in front of all the angels, I'm a father in heaven, I'll say, see that man, you see that woman, she, he belongs to me. What a wonderful encouragement. But the mission is dangerous. If I ask you to go... Out to another country, and no, we won't be willing to go. I won't be willing to go to Syria personally. I won't be willing to go to countries where Christians are being murdered and butchered. It's terrible. But we're not being asked to do that. What we are being asked is to go into our neighborhood, into our families, into the people that we know, and to live a life so differently that they might ask you, What is the hope that you have? Why are you so different? How come you pray before you eat your meal? How come you don't use the language that everyone else is using? How come your principles are different to our principles? And they begin to ask questions. You see, people are broken. Our world is broken. And Christ needs men and women like me and you to be amongst others. So the mission is dangerous. Second thing about the mission that Jesus says, it's urgent. It's an urgent mission. So look what he says here. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. So he tells these men, I'm sending you out. Don't take any sandals. Don't take any purse. Just go out there. And in one sense, Jesus was reminding them of what happened in the Old Testament. You see, when the people of Israel left Egypt, they traveled for 40 years in the wilderness. And God provided their every single need. For 40 years, their sandals didn't wear out. For 40 years they had food and water. They looked at God and at the end of the 40 years they can look back and they can say, guess what? God has been faithful. God has been faithful. And that's what happened to those Israelites in the Old Testament and now God wants a people today, He's 72 men, he wants them to be able to say, God is faithful. I'm not taking my purse I'm not taking my bag. I'm not taking sandals. I'm going out into the street. And guess what? God is going to meet my every single need. Why? Because he's faithful. And he will do it. And look what it says in Lamentations. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's faithfulness is great. He will never let you down. He will never cut you short. He will never leave you alone on your own. He is faithful. No no matter what situation you might find yourself in, He is faithful. No matter how difficult the situation might be, He is faithful. No matter how much fear that might be in your heart, He is faithful. Great is your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. I love this bit when he says, His compassion never fails. His compassion never fails. This is hugely important. Christ is saying, Don't be afraid. I might be sending you out like lambs amongst wolves, but don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm greater than any wolf. In fact, He is called the Lion of Judah. Praise be to God. And not only that, he says to the disciples in another place, he says to them, on my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. You hear that? Do not worry what you're going to say. You might be in a family situation or a work situation. Do not worry what to say. Well, why not? Because the spirit of God will come in and give you the words that you need to speak. You don't go out there on your own. You're not on your own. It's vital. You're needed. This church is needed in this area. It breaks my heart when I walk down the street, I'm driving down the street, and I see a church that is closed. Breaks my heart to see a church that is closed. Because a closed church means the light has gone out in that situation. That community, those houses around that particular building now has no light, no, no, no one, nobody pointing them to the Saviour. It's closed, it's finished, the door's closed, the dust is on the Bibles, and no one is speaking about the living, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. It breaks my heart when a church is closed. And that's why you at the church need to be able to say, I'm not going out there on my my own, God. If you don't take me, if you don't fill me with your spirit, if you don't go with me, then Lord, do not take me out. I need the spirit of the living God dwelling within me. And so the mission is indeed urgent. He also said one other thing about the mission being urgent. He says this let's go back to the verse. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. Do not greet anyone on the road. You know, it's quite funny when I used to take Rachel to school when she was uh, in primary school. You take her to school at nine in the morning and I drop her off. And as I'm going home, there always seemed to be a group of women standing on a corner somewhere talking. And then I go back home, and um, maybe Kim or myself go back to pick Rachel up from lunch. And the same group of girls, women, are still standing outside there talking. Three hours! You're crying out loud, having nothing to do. You know why? Why stay all morning, chatting away? But some people, they they don't see that they, they have nothing else to do. All they want to do is just stand around and talk. And some of these guys here go to gyms. The worst person you can find in the gym is someone who wants to talk to you when you're training. That's the worst person. But all he wants to do, I mean, he's got really great chin muscles and facial muscles, but that's all he's got. Because there's a, a, a need for some people who just want to talk and talk. But Jesus turns around and says, the mission is urgent. Do not Stop. Do not greet anyone. Go to that town. Go to that man. Go to that woman. Don't stop. The mission is urgent. I remember we were taking Joseph, uh, my son, um, to university over in um, Norwich. So uh, please pray for Joe. But As we were coming back, we saw a, a car on the side, a Mercedes convertible on the side, completely engulfed in fire. It was, it was huge. We just got there when it, was, when it was kicking off and it was burning really, really bright. And as we drove past it, we felt the heat of the car coming through the glass windows. It was really, really quite scary. And I remember watching um, uh, the news last week because a, a police officer uh, came up to a car and he had his, um, his, his desk cam on. And as he came to this car, the car was on fire. And you saw the police officer jumped out of his car, runs over to, the, to this car that was on fire with a, with a fire extinguisher. He sprayed the fire extinguisher on the car for a few minutes and then he pulled the door open and pulls a man out from the car. Saving his life. He had no time to think about what I should do. There's a man in that car, he's a police officer, he's got there just in time, he rips the door off and he snatches... This guy out of the car. It's amazing. Look what the Bible says: Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Save. Be merciful to some who doubt. There's some people here who are doubting it here this morning. And, and they may say, well, you know what, I do believe in Christ, but I'm, I'm not too sure if I'm going to it my... That's fine. The Bible says, be merciful to those who doubt. God is still working in your heart. That's absolutely fine. But there's others that needs to be snatched from the fire. It's as if that, if you don't snatch them, if you don't grab them another few more hours, another few more days, another few more weeks, then all will be lost. They will be gone. Therefore, it's urgent, the Bible says. Like a police officer who came to the car and see on fire, didn't contemplate, didn't think, should I, should I not? No, he went to the car, opened the door, and pulled that man out from the flames. And that is what the Bible is saying. The message is urgent. We have to make sure that we don't keep this message to ourselves. It's a wonderful message. It's a glorious message. It's a message that brings hope and joy. But we mustn't keep it to ourselves. In fact, the Bible turns around and says this: Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. That's how we are meant to be in the world today. We can't sit back and say, well, what's good for you is good for you. What's good for me is good for me. Live and let live. You have your standards, I have mine. That's the world's philosophy. We need to be able to see that Jesus sends out these 72 men. He sends them out into the harvest field. Why? Even though it's dangerous, he sends them out. Why? Because it's an urgent message. It's a great message. The word gospel, it actually means good news. It's a wonderful message. It cannot be contained On your own, no one who discovers a cure for cancer will say, well, I've got the cure for cancer. I'm going to keep it so my daughter and my son and my father won't get cancer and I will keep it to myself. No, if you said that, you will be the most wickedest of men. If you said that. No, if you find a cure for cancer, you will want everyone to be able to have access to that cure. And so we have Something which says that when a man dies, there's two ways he can go. But Christ has opened a way, hallelujah, for every person to enter into the presence of the King. That's a glorious message. The message says that if you confess your sins, whatever they may be, he is faithful and he's just. And he will forgive you of your sins. And cleanse. Won't leave a spot or a stain or a wrinkle behind. No, he will cleanse you of every sin. What a glorious message. Can I keep that to myself? Can I walk to people who are struggling in their lives, struggling with addiction, struggling with um, many other crazy things in their lives, seeing their lives completely screwed up and say, well, that's your business. And not give them an antidote, a way of escape. Not show them that their lives can be different by having Christ inside. And so it is an urgent message, urgent mission. And finally, um, Jesus turns around and he says, I'm sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. It's going to be dangerous, but don't worry because I'm going to be with you and I'm faithful and I will never let you down. I will never leave you alone. I will never forsake you. You know, I'm sending you out. He says it's an urgent mission. Don't take Purse, don't take bags, don't take sandals, don't greet anyone on the street. Just keep on going because it's an urgent message. People need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get out there. And thirdly, he says, it's a peacekeeping mission. It's a peacekeeping mission. So he says this to them. When you enter a house, first say, peace, to this house, peace to this house. Some of you might know the Beatitudes. Jesus turned around, and the one of the Beatitudes is, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God." These men were going out as children of God, sons of God. They were going out bringing peace, and that is wonderful. We should be peacemakers. Sadly people say to me, hold on, isn't religion the biggest cause of all the wars that we see in our world today? Look around, isn't religion the reason why people are killing themselves and, 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 and killing others and, and doing the most horrific things in our world, isn't that what people are doing? Sadly, I have to say yes. That is true. When I look back at the history, I see the crusaders who were meant to be Christians going over to the Arab nations and the crusaders who are meant to be Christians killing and murdering and cutting people down and causing tremendous bloodbaths in that part of the world. And they call themselves Christians. I look over to America and I see the Ku Klux Klan, KKK, do you know that they were, and they think they are, a Christian organisation? They claim that Jesus Christ was the first Klansman. They burn crosses because they believe that as they burn a cross that is causing the cross to be more holy, as a Catholic light candles, they light crosses. And they actually believe that their cause is a Christian Cause, but do you know the KKK? They hate blacks, they hate Jews, and they hate Catholics. And anyone knows anything about the Ku Klux Klan knows that even though they claim to be Christian, like the Crusaders, there's nothing Christian about them because Christ intended his disciples to promote peace. That is what Christ's intention was. If anyone else turns around and says, no, I'm following Christ, let me kill you. I'm following Christ, let me do a crusade. I'm following Christ, let me be a KKK member. If anyone says that, they are not following the Jesus of the Bible. They are following their own imagination, but not the Jesus of the Bible. Why? Because Jesus says that you and I are meant to be peace. Makers. and why because Christ himself was a peacemaker look what he says about himself well Peter um, says about Jesus to this you were called because Christ suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth when they heard their insult at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That is Christ. You see, he's the greatest peacemaker. When he suffered, he didn't threaten back. And he gives us an example of how we as Christians need to behave in our society. It's no good, it's no good being a believer, being a Christian and wanting to smash somebody's face in because they didn't say something unkind to you. It's not good. It's not good being a Christian and speaking curse and swearing to somebody because you don't like them. It's no good being a Christian and gossiping and lying about somebody behind their back. It's no good. You need to be someone who brings peace into situations because Jesus did exactly that in fact my vi- my final verse speaks about Christ making ultimate peace what is ultimate peace you may think ultimate peace is peace between all nations no one Making a nuclear weapon. No one waging wars. That is an ultimate peace. Peace in the whole wide world. You may think that is an ultimate peace. It is not. What is ultimate peace? Well look what Jesus done. Ephesians says this. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. By which he put to death their hostility. He came... Jesus, and preach peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. The ultimate peace, hear me, the ultimate peace that you can have this morning is having access to the Father. That is the peace that Christ has come to bring to all men. Access to the Father. Oh, it's wonderful to have peace in our land. Wonderful to have peace between nations. It would be wonderful to have that. One day that will take place when Christ comes back again. Arthur, our Lord is coming soon. When he comes back again, one day there will be peace. But until that day, the most greatest peace that is needed for you and for I is peace between me and God you and God I want to be able to come into God's presence and instead of God being angry with me because of my sin for God to say I am no longer angry with you in fact because of Christ I love you I have forgiven you I've called you not my enemy I've called you my son I've called you not my foe, I've called you my daughter. You belong to me. Why, Lord? Why do you call me a son? Why do you call me a daughter? Because of Christ and his cross. That's why. Jesus Christ has come to bring peace and to create peace between you and God. What a glorious message. You heard a glorious message this morning. What are you going to do with this glorious message? Go out home and say, praise God, I'm saved, I'm redeemed, I'm blessed, I'm I'm covered by Christ, I'm going to heaven, praise God. That's a wonderful message, good news. You can say that and that will all be true. But would you keep it to yourself? Would you say that message is only for me? Or would you do what Jesus has said to those 72 men? Go. I'm sending you out. It's not good enough just to come into church. It's not good enough just to come to me and be saved. It's not just good enough to come to me and have your sins forgiven. All these things are wonderful. Yes, come. But when you've come, now I'm telling you to go. That's my call to the church, to go. And we now in this time, in this generation, I'm telling you this morning that all you need to go is to your family members. That's all you need to go and be different before them. Just be different before them. And in your difference, pray, oh God, give me an opportunity to open my mouth and to say something beautiful about you. Give me an opportunity, Lord. I can't do it great. I'm not like the preacher on a Sunday morning. I'm not a professional evangelist. I'm only little me. I've only been a Christian for a short while. But Lord, open my mouth. And I believe what you say. You will fill it. You will fill it. Oh God, I have a message. That you have sanctified, saved me. Drawn me to yourself. Help me to carry this message to someone else. Let's pray.